My name is John Cullen, and I want to tell you a story. It's a story about a scandal, broken relationships, gossip, rumors, money, corporate rivalry, and curling. It's the story of Broomgate, how a single broom, yes, a broom, turned friends into foes and almost killed the 500-year-old sport of curling. It was a year I'd like to forget. Broomgate, available now. This is a CBC Podcast. It kind of makes sense that Pedro Amadovar became one of the most influential film directors in the world. That his films made news for being racy and controversial and bombastic. It makes sense because Pedro will tell you he grew up under a strict military dictatorship and was expected to go into the priesthood. The legendary director, Pedro Amadovar, sits down for a conversation coming up. I'm Tom Power. You're listening to Q. So yeah, Pedro Almodovar, one of the most influential directors of our time. If you're saying uh, to the phone or to the radio right now, I'm not familiar with him, Tom. Even if you haven't seen one of his films, you probably have seen his influence. He's had a tremendous influence on like Guillermo del Toro and um, Quentin Tarantino. He helped define Spanish cinema. He made movies that were bright and full of color and were racy and raunchy and campy and full of deeper meaning about what it means to be human. And as I mentioned, Pedro grew up in Spain under the Franco dictatorship. He had no formal education in film because, as I'll tell you, General Franco ordered the film school closed because he was worried it was espousing like communist or or radical ideas. And it makes sense that when Pedro started making movies, he wanted them to be as free as possible, to be about complex female characters, about queer and transgender characters. Mind you, this was in Spain in the 1970s. This year, the Toronto International Film Festival gave him a prestigious tribute award for the impact he's made with his films. He's also there promoting a new short film starring Pedro Pascal and Ethan Hawke called Strange Way of Life. Pedro's first language is Spanish, and even though he speaks English, he'll sometimes slip into that language. So you will occasionally hear the voice of his interpreter, Carla Marcantonio. Here's my conversation with Pedro Almodovar. Thank you so much for being here. It's a pleasure to be here. Congratulations on the new film. Oh, thank you. Thank you so much. My understanding of it is that it was shot on the same pieces of land where Sergio Leone filmed his westerns. Am I right about that? Yeah. We, we used the same location that he did like 60 years ago. I think they are now more interesting because they were just a set, you know, decoration. I mean, very fake. Yeah, and you could see that sometimes in the movies. But now, of being, having, I mean, 60 years of wind, uh, they are very dusty. So you can see now time passing uh, in, the decor- in, the, in, the, in the set. So it was better for me. And I was, you know, I was, I was happy to, yes, to shoot in the same place than Clint Eastwood and, and Sergio Leone were shooting the trilogy of dollars. Yeah, like, was that, was that exciting for you? Yes, because, you know, I mean, the type of movies they create change completely the canon of the Western. You see, my mule don't like people laughing. It's the crazy idea you're laughing at him. Between, between him and Ennio Morricone in the music, they change completely all the elements of narrations, what we call a spaghetti Western. 
said the man with the pistol's a dead man. Let's see if that's true. Did you grow up watching westerns? Really, when I discovered the genre, it was when I, when I came to Madrid, and I was 18 years old, and then it was my only school, because the, 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 the cinema school, it was close to my mm. Franco. So the way to learn, it was just to go every day to the Cinematheque, and then that was where I discovered just all John Ford or Howard Hawks. Every time you turn around, expect to see me. There's one time you'll turn around and I'll be there. And I was very impressed because I didn't know that it, that could be such a great general. Can we talk a little bit about that? Like when you were young, you were growing up under General Franco in Spain. How did that limit the films you were able to watch? Like what films could you watch? Well, you know, there was strong censorship, not only with foreign movies, but also with the Spanish movies. So sometimes they didn't discover the strength of the movies, the Spanish movies, they discovered when they went to international festivals. The censorship was very awkward because, you know, in the three countries that, unfortunately, we have a dictatorship, Alemania, Italy, and Spain, the movies we, we saw, it was always dubbed. But the dubbing, it was also a way to make the censorship. Uh. I mean, for example, I remember when I, when I was a child, uh, Mogambo, the movie with Abba Garner and Car Cable and Leslie Howard, directed by John Ford. Mogambo, the new word in motion picture entertainment, unlike anything ever brought to this screen. In, in the movie, Grace Kelly made this safari with her husband, but fell in love with Car Cable. You realize, don't you, that just from the way I can't stop myself looking at you, that... Everybody knows. For the census, it was too much for the Spanish audience. So they convert the husband in a brother. Oh. I remember very well when I saw the movie, we saw the movie, and we really didn't get why. Leslie Howard was so furious that his sister is caught with <laughs> car cable. So it, it became something very dirty and even very interesting. <laughs> so, you know, Inadvertently, I mean, <laughs> they had made a very dirty film. <laughs> very, very much. Um, so, I mean, censorship are paranoid. So they see things in the movies that you don't see. So, so there are many movies that they were prohibited uh, during the Franco period. You said when it was time to go to film school, Franco had shut down all of the film schools yes. because he thought they were they were communist, right? He thought they were... Yes, exactly. They say that they, they were a nest of communists. Yeah. Of, we call in Spain red people. Yeah. But, it, but it's communist. Yeah. Of course, they start doing movies more critical with the regime. And they, they say, no, 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 this... Is that going to be happening? So the best is just to close. I wanted to go, but I, I cannot. And then my only school, it was just, as I tell you, as I told you, just to go to the Cinematheque every day. And also, I, I start working in the telephone company as an office assistant. Mm. I mean, just to survive. Mm -hmm. Of course, I was uh, thinking about to study cinema, but uh, the thing is that with the first salary, I, I bought a Super 8 millimeter ah, camera, yeah. and that was my school. Because this is cinema. I mean, it's, you have to, uh, I mean, it's chemistry. It's not like video. So I started doing 
not familiar movies. This is something that I was not interested. Uh, so, I mean, I was always narrator and storyteller. Yeah. So it was always fiction, even from five minutes to 70 minutes. During the, the 70s, I made a lot, made a lot. And uh, usually we go to the country because we were alone. We have the light of God. So I didn't need to put light. <laughs> and also, you know, in many, in many of the stories, there was a lot of transvestites. And then uh, we, were da- if we could be in danger, yeah. you know, if the police saw us in the street dressed like that. So many of them, I did it in, in the country. And with con- con casas deshabitadas or casas destruidas. Yeah, they were either abandoned houses or houses that were like half in ruins. Ah, yeah, yeah. Y el resultado a veces se parecía un poco a las películas. And the, and the result was a little bit like a Pasolini film. Uh-huh. Esa mezcla de naturaleza. And so some kind of mix between sort of nature and an, a, an old civilization because the homes were half destroyed. Right. But just when, when in, the, in the 79, I start a new, a new movie. It was the first one that it was projected in regular screenings. That was in 16 millimeter movies. We, I mean, we, I mean, the actors, uh, they, they create a kind of crowdfunding and they ask for money to hundreds of friends. And we got $3,000. Mm-hmm. And then with that, we, we could almost uh, buy the negative. Mm. And that, that was the only thing we have. <laughs> and that's how, I mean, in, during a year and a half, I can make my my first movie, my first commercial movie. I'm Tom Power. You're listening to my interview with Pedro Almodovar, the director who really showed the world how bold and found Spanish cinema could be one of the most important directors of our time, definitely one of the most influential directors of our time. So the song you're listening to right now is from a scene in his first feature film. It's called Pepe Lucy Bomb. I think this really captures the spirit of Pedro Almodovar pretty well because he was talking about growing up under the dictatorship of General Franco in Spain. And in the next part of our conversation... You're going to hear what happens when a dictatorship disappears and how when Spain opened up, so did Pedro as an artist. After living under Franco for so long, when Franco dies, you must have felt this, I mean, you and everybody in the arts must have felt this incredible freedom. It's, it's impossible to describe, you know, to explain the feeling of having access to all kinds of freedom. I was so lucky to be young, to enjoy that change, because it's really it's a kind of miracle. Because it was a transition without blood. Because always, I mean, just to pass from a dictatorship to a real democracy, this is very tricky. I don't know if it's tricky, the word. I mean, it's very difficult. Yes, yeah. It's very difficult because still there are the Francoist people there. So we did it. We did it without blood. And uh, immediately, you know, the young people, and also the older people, but for the older people were more difficult. Yeah. Because, you know, they have so many costs of the old regime 
that they couldn't really embrace all freedom because they were a little old to yeah. do that. Yeah. Of course, they felt the difference, but it was for the young people that we have little memories of the Frankism mm -hmm. that we can start a new life without any kind of dictatorial ghost. Is that why your films were so free? Like, is that why your films were oh, so yeah. progressive? That's why your films <laughs> pushed boundaries? Because yeah. all of a sudden you had that freedom? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I mean, it, it was a coincidence, but it was the perfect moment for me to start because they were the movie that I wanted to do. But uh, it were impossible to do it before. I could make the type of living that I, that I saw. It didn't mean that Spain was full of transsexual yeah. or... No, I mean, but at least the people that I used to see in Madrid, there were many like that. So I talk about that without talking about like the problem of being gay or the problem of being transsexual. No, they were part of the stories, like they were part of life. And of course, I could be so explicit because we lived in a new democracy and we were really starving of freedom. Pero que venía de una época muy oscura, donde nada era posible. Yeah, but we were coming from a very dark era where nothing was possible. Pero también quería decir, y en este caso tiene que ver con lo que dices. And of course, when I speak of freedom, it has to be a freedom that is a public freedom, one supported by society around you, but it also has to be an internal freedom, a freedom that you grant yourself at the moment when you're shooting. Porque aunque parece, por ejemplo, en Estados Unidos no existe la censura. And so even though technically, right, we're not living during a period where there's censorship, there is something like the MPAA, which gives these ratings to films and in a way can serve as a kind of censor. Uh, but most importantly, we are living in an era where there's a, a certain, if you like, air of puritanism that might get you to censor yourself. And that's what I'm against. I really believe that you need to sort of fight against that feeling and, and be completely free. But also it's true that there is a, a wave of puritanism in general in the whole world. And I include Spain. I mean, in Spain, we, we have an awful civil war and nobody won. So I thought that uh, in Spain never will have a far right Party, for example, mm -hmm. it was it, it, they, it was in France, it was in, in in Italy, but I thought that we were cured because our civil war that it was uh, the big tragedy of my country. But uh, in the last five years, there is I mean we have a far right party called Box. ¿Dónde están? And they declare themselves that they follow the thought and the ideas of Franco. These people are nostalgic for the dictatorship. They think General Franco saved Spain from communism and presided over a prosperous era of full employment. And that must be scary to you as a filmmaker, you know? Yeah, yeah. no, no, this is because they, uh, everything they say is uh, completely homophobic. They are xenophobic. They are misogynist. Yo hasta ahora no he tenido problemas con ellos, pero estoy seguro de que sí. And for example, right now I haven't had any problems with them, but I am very sure that if my films from the 80s were being projected now, I would most certainly be having problems with them. Uh, because everybody <laughs> tell me that, you know, that you, you cannot do this <laughs> in Pepe Lucibón or The Habits now. I mean, when they see the movies on TV, 
friends tell me, you know that this is impossible to, to do it now. I prefer not to be conscious of that. I, I want to do what I want. Once you lost the fear, I don't want to have fear again. Once you lose the fear, like if you, you once had fear, you yes, once had? Yes, yes, of course. Because, you know, for example, in, in, in talking about homophobic, Spain was always a very open country, even under the dictatorship. I mean, the people in the country, I mean, they were very permissive. But for example, in the, in the last five years, they increased the, the attacks in the street, the, the homophobic attacks. Uh, so, I mean, you see the, the influence of these people very clearly. Mm. I don't know if that answer was you. No, it, but I, I know what you mean. So, so as a filmmaker, I mean, let, let's be clear. When your films first started coming out, they weren't accepted right away either. I mean, the, 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 I think your films were greatly misunderstood uh, when they first came out. Uh, hombre, al principio... Fueron, mis películas eran polémicas. Yeah, indeed. In the beginning, my, my, my films were polémicos. You know, there were people who loved them and people who didn't like them quite so much. Pero eso, desde luego, no impedía que se hablara de ellas, que se pusieran en cines. But that didn't keep them from people talking about them, from them playing in, in, in cinemas, and for them to be successful. They were successful. Y, y después de un momento, quiero decir, como a mediados de los 80... Yeah, and then after sort of the mid-80s into the 90s, they were very, very popular with both, with both sets, with both, you know, people who were more liberal and also people who were more conservative. Because I talk, I talk about the, the Spanish people. I mean, I talk very much about my origin, about the village, the little village, my mother, the neighbors. I mean, these kind of things that everybody can feel identified with that. Yo quería agradeceros al equipo el trabajo que nos habéis dado estas semanas. Muchas gracias de todo corazón. Tengo miedo del encuentro con el pasado que vuelve a enfrentarse con mi vida. But I remember very well it was in 2004 when there were general elections and I was very clearly supporting the, the government of the Socialist Party, I mean, against the Popular Party that was the, the right. So I was very present in the media. And uh, that was the first time that I was a little afraid because they, they start menacing me, amenazarme. Mm -hmm. Threatening. Threatening me. Y incluso dejándome papeles en, el, en, en mi casa. En... He was getting threats directly, like people would leave notes uh, at, at his home, maybe even in the, in, the, in the elevator. Entonces, yo quiero decir, era muy popular, pero en ese momento sí que, digamos, los espectadores de derechas... And so it was at that very moment where I felt people who were sympathizers of the right to begin to reject me. Right. Uh, up until then, they had embraced me, but at that moment, I did start to feel a rejection from me. I mean, for example, with movies like Parallel Mothers, that I talk about just these died people that had buried in, in the country, in the Fosas Comunes. Yeah, in common graves. Yeah. That was a very unpopular subject. The movie was successful, but only for in one part of Spain. Spain still is a divided country. But you don't, you're undaunted by it. Like, you, 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 like five minutes ago, you said this thing that really stuck out to me. You said, and you said it so quickly. You said, blah, 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 this was happening, and they were telling me what kind of films to make. Now, I, I, I make what I want. I make what I want. That 
all of those sort of restrictions, whether it be a societal telling you what you can do, the Spanish public at the very beginning sort of misunderstanding your work, political divisions which have hardened sort of back to your childhood, which are happening right now. You are still insistent that I'm, I have the freedom to make the art that I want to make. Yeah, because, you know, this is something personal. This is something that um, you decided by yourself. I, don't, I really don't mind if it's less popular or the box office is less. I don't mind. But fortunately, for example, in the last short, uh, strange way of life, <laughs> uh, I thought I forgot it. A strange way of life is the encounter, the reunion of two former lovers. I don't make uh, explicit lovemaking scene, but it does because I was concerned about what the people could think in the country or there or here. But it, it was because I didn't feel necessary to do it. I prefer that they talk very clearly about, and this is stronger than to show a naked body. Years ago, you asked me what two men could do living together on a ranch. I'll answer you now. And I think that I don't need to be so explicit physically talking. Because I did that during the 80s and the 90s and all, all I mean, I made 20, 22 movies mm -hmm. and I me he desfogado en todas esas películas. Yeah, and I've gotten everything out of my system mm. in all of those films. <laughs> so I don't need, you know. Uh, I mean, for me now, it's much, much more attractive to be austere, uh, retrained, uh, because this is new for me. Uh, as a as storyteller. And, uh, and, uh, and yes, I feel, I feel free, absolutely. We'll be right back. Hi, I'm Jesse Cruikshank. Jesse Cruikshank. I host the number one comedy podcast called Phone a Friend. Girl! Let's phone a friend. Not only do I break down the biggest stories in pop culture with guests like Dan Levy and members of InSync, I do it with my own personal boy band singing jingles throughout because it's my show. It's your show, girl. New episodes of Phone a Friend. Yeah. Drop Thursdays wherever you get your podcasts. So work it, girl. Yeah, work it. Okay, that's enough. I mean, all my life is my movies. Mm -hmm. I don't think about posterity. I know that when I made movies, the movies live more than you. I'm Tom Power. You're in the middle of my conversation with the legendary Spanish director, Pedro Almodovar. Pedro is one of the most influential directors of our time. Even if you haven't seen any of his films, you've probably watched a movie by Quentin Tarantino or Guillermo del Toro. Both call him a major influence on their work. Actors like Penelope Cruz and Antonio Banderas got their starts starring in his films. But before he was one of the most influential directors in the world, Pedro's parents wanted him to be a priest. They sent him to a strict Catholic boarding school in Spain. But here's why the whole um, priest thing didn't work out. For one, didn't believe in a higher power, didn't believe in God, doesn't care for rules or authority. So yeah, the, the priesthood thing probably, probably wasn't going to work out. The only thing he says he believes is in freedom in art, and he'll tell you what he means by that. I spoke to Pedro during the Toronto International Film Festival. We were talking about his new short film, Strange Way of Life, which stars Pedro Pascal and Ethan Hawke as a 
cowboy and a sheriff who reunite after having a passionate love affair. And it gave us a chance to talk about how he chooses his actors and why he goes back to the same ones over and over. And just a reminder, if you hear a third voice pop up in this conversation, that's Pedro's interpreter, Carla Marcantonio. I don't know if I told you this, but I got to talk to Antonio Banderas uh, a couple of years ago, and we talked about working with you. We talked about Pain and Glory, uh, the, the film you guys did together, which is very loosely, we'll say loosely, based on your life. Uh, and it made me think, like, you worked with Antonio Banderas over and over again. You work with Penelope Cruz over and over again. You have these actors that you work with time and time again. Is there a special quality that you look for in an actor? Like, Everything that you just described to me about the way you feel about your films and the way you want to make your films made, like, do they, do they have to understand something about that spirit in you? Oh, yes, yes, yes. They understood. I mean, I'm, uh, Antonio, since the beginning, because he started working with me. I mean, he just arrived to Madrid, uh, and I met him two months after. And uh, the first thing he made, it was lab- Labyrinth of Passion, during the 80s, that was 82. Uh, during the 80s, uh, we made six movies together. So he knew very well what I, what I wanted from my characters, and he did it very well. The desire, it was in his eyes, yeah. in Antonio's eyes. Do all these actors you work with over and over again, do they have like a special quality? Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, they did. Um, I don't know if they changed with other directors, but not with me. I mean, Penelope and Antonio that I used to work with them after, they behave with me exactly the same. But I try to offer them different characters. And for example, I mean, in the case of foreign actresses or foreign actors and actresses like Tilda Swinton for Human Boys or Pedro Pascal and Anita Hawke. They really put themselves in my hands and uh, I didn't have the feeling that, I, that it was something banned or something prohibited. And they understood very well uh, what I asked them. I mean, in the case of Pedro Pascal, that it was the, the warmer uh, character, mm-hmm. he understood very well what I demanded. Uh, from him, and he did it. And from Ethan, the, the same. They were very generous. I mean, they also they. I mean, three of them, Tilda, Ethan, and Pedro. They are not the, I don't know what to say, conventional Hollywood actors. Yeah. I mean, they are very peculiar type of actors. I mean, I mean, Tilda can be asked by someone to go to see and to 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 film a movie in Colombia. And yeah. Yeah, see us there. See, I mean, they are very adventurers. But Pedro Pascal has said that he was inspired by watching your films when he was a teenager. So what does he that? He told me that. What does that mean to you? He told me that. Uh, <clears throat> he told you that. He told yes. Pedro was doing Narcos, and uh, there were also like four or five Spanish actors <laughs> that I work with, and they usually they send me some some videos where they were working, and I mean hanging around, and usually Pedro was with them. And Pedro say, hello, Pedro, this is the other Pedro, and I grew up with your movie, I'm such a big fan, I really would like to work with you. You know, these kind of things that make me feel older because, uh. <laughs> because many people grew up watching my movies. <laughs> uh, but, um, but he, I mean, he said that, 
And then when, when I mean, the following moment when I was in New York, and uh, he was doing in the theater, he was doing uh, King Lear with Glenda Jackson. It was the last uh, play that Glenda Jackson did. Then we met each other. He came to my hotel and we were talking a lot. So we were like friends. I mean, we, we only see each other once, but we felt very close. And it was true that when I, when I sent him uh, the script, he was very enthusiastic. And uh, only he asked me to wait because that week he was starting shooting uh, The Last of Us. Mm. You think I can still handle things, but no matter who I was, lately there are these moments where the fear comes up out of nowhere and my heart feels like it stopped. He didn't know that he became such a big star after that. Mm -hmm. So... Yes, I think, uh, no, he, he was a real, I mean, a real fan. I mean, I mean, someone that really are very, I mean, understand very deeply my work. Mm. This is something that I felt. And I was very happy to make this with Pedro because he demonstrates in this short that he's very versatile. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I, I suppose that now he's doing Gladiator, which mm. is also a very male male epic uh, movie yeah. but he can make a comedy a movie a, a musical movie yeah. I know many 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 other different types of, of characters you mentioned Pain and Glory there and you mentioned that these people are starting to grow up with your with your films and uh, I'm very grateful to you for telling me a little bit about the story about you you know, coming up as a filmmaker under Franco and like, you know, and, 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 and it's fascinating. Like it really is. Oh, thank you. I, I think you're welcome. I, I did hear that. Cause, so Pain and Glory sort of loosely based on your life, loosely, loosely yes. based on your life. I heard something about you I wanted to ask you about. I heard that you are like very resistant to anyone ever doing a biopic about you, like a biography. About yeah. You. Is that true? <laughs> It's true. I prohibit. I mean, I said to my brother, to my to my assistant, that yeah, I feel very confident. Yes, yes. I, I never write, and they ask me a lot of time from the uh, editor companies to make a lot or sell biography or someone uh, write a biography. But I I always say no. And Why? I bore myself. Mm. I mean, I'm like a subject. <laughs> uh, so I mean, when I had to talk about. And just the thing that I that to talk about all my life. Mm -hmm. I mean, all my life is my movies. Mm -hmm. And I can explain my life uh, during the, these 22, 22 movies. And, uh, and also because I hate the biopics in general. You don't like biopics? No, no. Uh, I will go to see Maestro again anyway, mm -hmm. because, I mean, I'm curious. But, uh, I mean, they are a very good vehicle for the actors, because they have all the reference, they can imitate, every, every, because they have many images from, from the real character. But usually they are, I mean, I'm talking about the very mainstream biopic. J. Edgar Hoover. Uh, or, yeah, yeah, I mean, yeah. Freddie Mercury, yeah, Elton yeah. John. Yeah. Not, for example, Neruda mm -hmm. by Pablo Larraín. Puedo escribir los versos más tristes esta noche. Nerida was a biopic, very, very original, very strange and very interesting. Also, another uh, when Pablo Larraín made uh, Jackie, mm -hmm. also that is something different. I mean, that type is because it's, well, you can compare with the others and nothing. 
I mean, it's completely different. But it's like the, that, that I don't want the idea that people is talking about me and I'm not there. And if I'm there, I, I'll say, stop talking. But if I'm dead, I couldn't do it. So I don't know. I don't, I don't think about posterity. Yeah, you don't? No. I know that, that when I made movies, and the movies live more than you. I'm an atheist. I, I really would like to believe in something else, but I don't. So uh, I don't think about posterity. Unfortunately, and that makes me feel bad because, you know, it's, it's not nice to think that sometimes, you know, this life stop and that's it. Yeah. Yeah, that idea makes me feel so. This is something that I didn't understand yet. Yeah. I feel like a child in well, front of the mortality. That's what Del Toro told me. He told me that he makes films because he's an atheist. He told me that Guillermo Del Toro oh, yeah. told it, me that he makes films that. because he's an atheist, because he's, he, he's yeah, trying to find because, that Because, you know, I say, I really would like to, to, to believe. I mean, I was educated with Catholic priests, uh, and I really, I really paid attention of what they say mm -hmm. because I wanted uh, to have faith. But faith is a gift uh, you cannot get by yourself. My family, for example, they are practicing Catholic. Oh, yeah? and my sisters, my brother, not my brother, my sisters and my mother. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, it's, it, for them, it's a big support. And, and, and also there is a kind of world around around the saints, the virgin, the I mean that that practice of religion that is is very beautiful to watch, and I support that this is an inner support, very strong, and that I would like to to have, but I don't have it. Well, as you mentioned, you know that your films will keep going after you're gone, though. I hope so. <laughs> <laughs> I think so. I mean, I yes, think I definitely. hope so. Yeah. I don't know what kind of mentality are going to, to watch then, but, but it's true, it's true. But even that, you know, even that I made a work that survived, I don't think, I don't think in surviving myself. I understand, yeah. So I, I can't thank you enough for uh, taking the time to have this conversation. Oh, no, no, it was a pleasure. Pedro Almodovar is an award-winning Spanish director. His new short film, Strange Way of Life, is in select theaters now. It screened at this year's Toronto International Film Festival, where he also got the TIFF Tribute Award for having a positive social impact with his films. All right, that's it for the show today. Tomorrow on the show, in 1982, the oil rig The Ocean Ranger went down off the coast of Newfoundland and Labrador. Lisa Moore wrote about that tragedy in her novel February, which is now being adapted into an opera. She'll be here to tell you why the new staging makes her think more about the breath. I sat down with Lisa at home in St. John's, Newfoundland. That's tomorrow on the show. I can't wait for you to hear that. See you soon. Later on. For more CBC Podcasts, go to cbc.ca slash podcasts.